0: I want to ask you, I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time, rhetorically, when was the last time you were brave? That you were truly courageous? When you felt the fear and you did it anyway? Because, like we all know, that being fearful will be the experience of every single person in this room. Uh, and most of the time if we're honest we don't get a choice about it like fear is is an emotion that is triggered by stuff that happens in us or around us like it just happens fear it's just triggered but bravery is a choice courage is a choice and like I mentioned in the email on Wednesday, when we were away with the young people and we were praying for them and Caroline Osmond of had a word uh, over us and over them about being brave, like when she said that, it really hit me. I thought, oh man, that is not just a word for our young people and for satellites. That is a word from God to us for now. Be brave. Be brave. What does that mean for you today? And of course, when God is inviting us to do something, he, he, he never tells us to do it without equipping us to do it, without giving us the resources to do it. And so this morning, I want to talk about the brass tacks of bravery. And we're going to look at three foundational convictions that if we hold on to these convictions, if we're strapped into these convictions, then bravery will grow in our life. Is there anyone here who, who knows? Yeah, I could grow in bravery today. That's going to help me. Is anyone here? You're going to talk to me today. Anyone here? Okay, good, 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 good. Now, well, Some of you know, uh, earlier this year in March, Amy and I, um, we, we went to the States. We went to California to spend 10 days with some friends there. And while we were there, we, we packed in as many roller coasters as we could because we love a roller coaster. Anyone love a roller coaster? <laughs> Linda really doesn't like a roller coaster. She said that very definitively. And, uh, and so we did loads of them, and we love them. Uh, they're, they're great fun, and, but we respond to them in very different ways as a, as a married couple. So, um, so when Amy's on the roller coaster, she laughs. Like, she laughs out loud. She laughs. She really, really laughs, but there's a reason that she's laughing. She's not laughing at the roller coaster. She's laughing at me. Because I don't laugh. I scream. I scream. I holler. Any other screamers out there? Like when I go on a roller coaster, it's like my brain says to me, "Scream as loud as you can. It will help you." And my brain is right. My brain is good to me. I scream, so I scream. She laughs, and I find that it it helps it, as I make a lot of noise. The, the only kind of roller coaster that I don't like are those ones where it kind of goes up and then there's a sheer drop where you have that sense of weightlessness, uh, you know, like oblivion at Alton Towers. That those things are demon possessed, created. They're they're awful. But somehow, when we were in the states, there was a massive roller coaster that had the biggest ever drop, and I, I don't know how she did it, but Amy somehow persuaded me to go on this roller coaster to feel the fear and do it anyway. And so, so we get on, and like the 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 chug up to the top, it, it was it was tough, it was high. I mean, it was really high. I if we go any higher, I will touch the International Space Station. It was that high. It was really high. Anyway, eventually it levels off and we start kind of coming around and we go around and then we get to the bit and it leans forward. And for a little while, some of you have done this, you're just hanging there. You can just see your legs dangling. I personally saw a white light and Jesus saying, come home, son. Come home. It's all right. You don't have to do this. But then, in that moment, we dropped, and we, we really dropped. And in that moment, this time, my brain literally said to me, I don't know what to do with this. And so this time, I didn't scream. I literally I couldn't make a sound. I, I literally did this. What did Amy do? She laughed. She laughed on the round, right? She laughed off the round. Every time she tells people the story, she laughs. And, uh, but here's, here's the reality, though, in that. Even though, even though it, it was a terrifying experience, the truth is I, I, I was so strapped into this thing, literally shoulder strap, straps around absolutely everywhere, uh, and they were tight. I knew I was securely hemmed in. The reality was I was fine, and I would be fine. So even though, even though emotionally and physically I was having this massive reaction, and I thought, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, there was no way I was going to die because I was so tightly strapped in, I really had nothing to fear. And so this morning I want to talk to you about these three convictions, that if we would strap ourselves into these convictions, that even though sometimes we may feel some things, we know, no, no, these convictions, if I hold on to them, if I live out of them, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And the three convictions uh, are this. Wherever you need bravery today, number one, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is Lord and he's my Lord. Heaven, secondly, is my future. Thirdly, the Spirit is my helper. And and the risk is some of us here, we've been following Jesus for a long time and we think, yeah, yeah, I know that. And the truth is you do know that, but you know it here, but you don't know it here. And what I'm always praying is the Holy Spirit will do the work to turn the stuff we know in our head into our heart because that's where we live out of. We don't live out of our intellect. We live out of what we feel in the deepest part of our being. And so I'm praying that bravery will increase and fear will decrease as we embrace these three convictions. Everyone ready? So here we go. Here's here's, here's the first one. Our first conviction is why are followers of Jesus able to be brave? because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Basically, we can be brave because we have this deep conviction that Jesus is Lord over all of creation. He is Lord over all of our lives, over every situation that we face, that Jesus is ultimately in charge, that he's ultimately in charge. Uh, in the in the New Testament, when you see this word "Lord" capital A, Lord, it's the Greek word "Kyrios," and it literally means the leader, the ruler, the boss. Jesus is my boss. It means the authority, the final authority. And throughout 2,000 years of Christian history, the thing that separated true followers of Christ from other people who said, I believe in God, is this conviction that sometimes people were burnt at the stake for when they were willing to say, no, Jesus is Lord. Caesar isn't Lord. Money isn't Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is the final authority. In Ephesians chapter 1 21 to 22, Paul prays this prayer over the church in Ephesus. He says, Jesus is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Someone say, anything else? else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things things. under the authority of Christ and has made Christ head over all things things. for the benefit of of the church. Jesus has authority over everything, all things. He's the final authority. And this is a great challenge to our, our present day self centered, self serving, individualistic culture because the sound of our culture today is no, 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 you are Lord. You are the final authority over your life. You do whatever you want to do. But the scriptures remind us time and time again that we are not smart enough. We're not clever enough to figure out how we can ultimately be the Lord and the Savior of our own lives. We can't be the ruler on the throne. And we, we were never supposed to be. We are fragile and fallen human beings. And so to declare that Jesus is Lord is to humbly and willingly admit that we cannot save ourselves and that we recognize that in every aspect of our lives, we bow to him, that he is Lord over all, financially, emotionally, physically, relationally, vocationally, spiritually, that we need his salvation power, his saving power, his kingdom, which is his rule and reign over all of our lives. That's why these famous verses that Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, which often we say are just about people become followers of Jesus for the first time. No, this is something that we should be praying every day. He says this, Romans 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you declare that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord over my finances, so I'm trusting him to save me in the area of my finances. Jesus is Lord over all my relationships, so I'm trusting him to save me in the area of my relationships. Jesus is Lord over my physical body, so I trust him to save me in the area of my physical health. Jesus is Lord over everything. He is ultimately in charge. All authority, Jesus says in Matthew 28 verse 18, has been given to me. Now there's an important distinction. Some of you are like, okay, really, really? There's an important distinction here to be made between power and authority. Because you, other people and situations, do have power over you. They do, don't they? Like, we've got to admit that. That is the case. You have power over your life. People have power over your life. People can say and do things to hurt and harm you or heal you. And situations have have power over your life. You are influenced by those things. There are things that have power over all of us. Amy and I came back from Spain on uh, on Wednesday we got up um, on Thursday we had lots of errands to do and both of our cars had died like what are the chances of that both of our cars had died and like immediately we were just like that's not good and of course what hits us straight away fear like how are we going to afford to fix two cars you know what's the problem here and and uh and and we had to steel ourselves come back from that natural fearful reaction, say, no, God, Jesus, if you are ultimately in charge here, then we are looking to you to rescue us, to save us from this. Show us what we need to do, and there were some things we need to do. And anyway, by God's amazing grace, five hours later, both of our cars were fine. didn't cost us any money, and our mechanic did it for free. That's the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, of course, it doesn't always play out like that. Situation, stuff that happens has power over us. But but God's authority, hear me, friends. God's authority trumps any power. God's authority trumps every power, both earthly power and demonic power. And so even for our young people today, I I, I want to say, you know, your A-level results, your GCSE results, when you do agree, those things have power and influence over you, but your results do not have the final authority over your life. Like some of you are in a difficult workplace. Your, your boss has some power and, and influence over you, but your boss does not have the final authority over your life. Some of us are contending with sickness, like long-term sickness. It, of course it's got power and influence over it. It's, it's difficult. But that sickness does not have the final authority over your life. Like whatever the medical profession is saying, we thank God for them. Their word is not the final word over your life. The power, the authority of Jesus Christ, Jesus is Lord, has power over all of those things. He's the final authority. And so to declare that Jesus is Lord is to surrender to that final authority and invite Jesus to take care and to take charge of our lives. If we really mean that Jesus is Lord, we invite him to take care and take charge of our lives. That, Of course, that doesn't mean we abdicate responsibility. Lord, it's all on you. Of course, we're looking from the wisdom from Scripture, the whisper of the Holy Spirit, as we wrestle with prayer, as we get wisdom from other people. Lord, what's my part in this? What is the wisdom that you're asking me to do when it comes to my relationships and my health and my workplace? It's, it's not all on God. It's just ultimately on God. Do you hear me? There are things that we need to do to cooperate with his lordship. So our prayer is be Lord over my finances, be Lord over my relationships, be Lord over all things. Jesus is Lord. I want to ask you rhetorically, rhetorically, is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Is he the final authority? Do you you believe that? And so that what he wants in every part of your life, ultimately, that's what matters because you believe he's the final authority. Our second conviction is that heaven is our future. Heaven is our future. Because a lot of people will understandably say, well, if Jesus is Lord, if he's the final authority, then why doesn't he fix all the brokenness in the world? Why doesn't he end all suffering? And the great news about the biblical story is he has and he will. He has and he will. Because what did I just talk about? The distinction between power, authority, death has power over every single person in this room. Like, unless you're Elijah, like the reality is, or Enoch, the reality is every single person in this room is going to die. I'm Not to be morbid, that's just it's just a hundred percent reality, isn't it? Like You may be suffering with sickness, and we're going to pray, and you're healed. We would love that. But one day, you will die. We're all going to die unless Jesus comes back first. That is just a reality. But without Jesus, death doesn't have the power over our lives. It has the authority over our lives without Jesus. But with Jesus, death might have power, but it has no authority over our lives at all. It is not the final word. Jesus has the final word even over death. I, don't, I, don't, I know we're all different and we deal with suffering and struggle differently. If I'm, if I'm facing a tough day tomorrow, for whatever reason, I'm not, by the way, uh, but I could be. If I'm facing a tough day, if I've got a difficult situation or a difficult conversation, one of the things over the many years that has helped me face it is that I kind of tell myself, you know what, in three months, in six months' time, in two years' time, this will just be old news like in the t- in the moment it feels really big but I know if I can just project myself down the line I know down the line this will be old news I might carry a scar it feels like a wound now but the wound's healed I carry a scar but it's going to be old news Th- that sense of being in a future space beyond where things are better has been wired into us that longing for eternity in better days it's what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has set eternity in our hearts. There's a longing in each of us for a better day. A day when there's no sickness, no suffering, no death, no struggle, no falling, no failing. There's this longing for us for a better day. I can get through this because I know something better is coming. And that is the promise. And Jesus has done it. Jesus has done it. This is how John's disciple framed it in Revelation 21, 3-5. to He says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now amongst his people. He will live with them and they will be with his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne says, Look, I am making everything new. I can be brave today. Because even in the face of death, even in the face of death, death has been defeated. Death does not get the last say. Jesus has promised new creation. And so if I've made that declaration, Jesus is Lord, he's Lord of my life. I'm with team Jesus. I've been adopted into his family. If if I say yes to that, that I know that when it comes to death, I'm passing through into the best and most brilliant life with him in new creation forever and ever. Death has indeed lost its sting. Heaven is my future. And I think that the challenge for us is, is I think, particularly in our now culture. Everything's about now. Now, 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 now. We're living in an immediate gratification moment. We have lost the conviction to live in the light of eternity. To recognize, as the psalmist says, that our life now is but a breath. It's but a breath. And then we'll be with God. And no more suffering, no more struggle. Like, if somehow we could get our head around that, even to a small degree. Like, if Jesus said to, to you... If if you would have one year of suffering and 99 years of just beauty and perfection, I I wonder rhetorically how you would respond. But then he says, no, 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 it's better than that. One month, one month of your life of suffering and struggle and turmoil and questions and doubt and fears and worries and all those things, even death. And then 99 years and 11 months of just beauty, wonder and everything. would Would you say yes? If, if Jesus said, no, 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 it's, it's better than that, one week, one week of struggle and turmoil and pain and agony and not as it should be, but then 99 years, 11 months and three weeks, just beauty, perfection, would you say yes? And if he said, no, 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 it's better than that, it's like one day, could you endure a day? Could you endure a day for that trade? And then the psalmist says, no, it's better than that, even though we're so living in this now moment. And of course we are. We all are. I am as well. The psalmist says, no, 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 your life is but a breath. (gasps) And then you're with him in that wonderful place of freedom and healing, living in the light of eternity. I can face today, strength for today, the hymn writer said, didn't he? Bright hope for tomorrow. I can even look death in the face. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 5, 3 to 5, he says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This hope will not disappoint, for we know how dearly God loves us. This hope for the future fuels bravery today. You can face the troubles of today because you know, friends, hear me, today is not your destiny. Today, what you find yourself in is not your your destiny. To grow in bravery, we we strap ourselves into the conviction number one. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. He is ultimately in charge. I'm just going to trust him in all areas of my life to take charge, to take care of me. And when it comes to that big thing that we face, ultimately, which we'll all be a bit fearful of, death itself. We don't even need to fear that. Because he's broken through. If Jesus is Lord, we get to be part of that new creation. And we should all want to be part of it. If you haven't made that declaration, Jesus is Lord, let me just tell you. Life, in my experience, both now and who knows in eternity, life without God is hell. Life without God. But life with God is different. And then our final conviction. Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my future. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Because let's be real. Like, there's a there's risk. Again, this can be all intellectual rather than truly in the heart. Like I, I know I've just been real with you guys. Like, we had a wobble moment this week. We all get wobble moments about various things our work, our relationships, our finances. We have doubt moments. Like, we're all human. We battle with some of those things. And, and so, even though we can declare Jesus is Lord and we know that better days are coming, but we're living now in the mess. And that is why, friends, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be your helper. Jesus put it this way in John 14 verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And in verse 26, the helper will teach you everything and will cause you to remember all that I told you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. This, this word for helper is the Greek word parakletos and it literally means the one who comes alongside you. To comfort you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to guide you, to embolden you, to empower you, to transform you, to change you. And it's not a helper, whatever image you've got in your mind, like the Holy Spirit is like a crutch, he's my helper. No, no. the Holy Spirit is not a helper like a crutch, the Holy Spirit is a helper as a stretcher. You, You say, carry me, Holy Spirit, carry me each and every day. Jesus said for a very good reason in Matthew chapter 6 don't worry about tomorrow. I think when my life I don't know if you're like this but sometimes when I look at things that have gone on in my life or are going on in my life and I look down months to come like the future feels crippling. It feels crippling. Like the trajectory of things how things are going to play out it feels so heavy it feels impossible and that's why Jesus says like don't go there don't dwell in that place, do you know what it's about? It's about today. It's all that it's about today. And asking Jesus, would you be Lord today of my life? Would you allow that truth that better days will come even in new creation to sink in more deeply? And would you fill me in with your Holy Spirit so that I could become more like Jesus, which is the primary goal of the Spirit to make you more like Jesus. And Jesus is very brave very courageous. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. So I want to ask you, Dan, do you want to come up? I want to ask you today, where where do you need to be brave today? Where is bravery calling you? And and how do we turn this just from, from a head knowledge thing to something that we're really living out of that reality. As I said, like we all have human fearful reactions, but it's what happens next that counts. For us to be able to say, Jesus, it's all about today. I invite you. Be Lord. Maybe for all of us, there's a simple practice this week where we'll say at the start of each day, Jesus, I believe that you are the final authority over my life and everything in my life. Take control and take charge and take care. And guide me, help me to trust in you. I thank you that a better day is coming, promised to come. And in the meantime, fill me, soak me, baptize me, drench me in your Holy Spirit so that I would have power to have courage. I'd have wisdom from heaven. I'd have strength to keep going until that better day finally comes so let's just enjoy the sacredness of this moment like we're not just going through a ritual we're inviting God in this moment now to touch all of our senses to tune ourselves into the reality of his presence to allow us to hear the whisper of the father who can, who can bank the check when he whispers into our soul be brave for I will make you brave Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God.